It's Zo Time. Welcome to the Zo Time Show with Daniel Belts. As always, the show is presented and put on by hoopsandbrews.com. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow them on Twitter, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and whatever else you want to follow them at. They're just two good dudes that talk about hoops all day and just basically provide NBA takes on the daily and just speak about basically every single team throughout the week. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the Lakers are fucking hooping. They're playing great basketball, and it's just, as a Laker fan, after going through the past, God, what is it, four years of just maybe 19 to 20 win basketball, it's just great to see the Lakers just having a coming out party, basically. We're already got to 28 wins, we're 17 and 7 in the past 24 games, and I mean, it's looking good in LA, and it's, it's nice to see, and... This is the seventh episode that I put on, and it's can't believe how much time has flown by since the first time I came on this podcast. I'm not going to say this is a coincidence, but the Lakers are 17-7 and since the Zotime show did start, so I got to keep this going because the Lakers have been on this insane run since the Zotime show was, uh, has started, and you know what? We're going to keep going until we're in the finals and beating whoever the fuck we face and tying the Celtics in titles. Now, I was told I was told by many small ballers out in the world. Small ballers is basically the phrase that we use for people that just hate the Lakers for no reason, that are just jealous of the success that they've had in recent years and going way back to the 50s and just jealous of the overall aura, the stature of the Los Angeles Lakers brand. I was told by them small ballers out there that the Lakers were only winning games due to playing bad teams. But, I mean, the Lakers did play the Heat and the Spurs, and the last time I checked, they are both in the playoffs currently right now, and you know what? We beat them. So fuck y'all. And we beat them both on the road, and I mean... We won in Miami after having two days off. I heard Miami nightlife was undefeated, but I guess not. I guess we overcame that. And then also beating Pop and the Spurs in San Antonio was almost unheard of, yet the Lakers beat them. So you know what? Fuck you small ballers out there. And you know what? Lonzo is back, and he's playing phenomenal. He's every bit as good as advertised, and he's even surpassing that on the defensive side. Just a bit of a personal note for me. Uh, this week was very entertaining, to say the least. I uh, how would I how would I say this? I am now a certified big baller. I got a shout out from the man himself, Lavar Ball. It was uh, last Friday. I got a video sent to me by my boy uh, Eric from uh, Lithuania. He covers the team, and he pretty much is like I wouldn't say the English translator, but he's very well known with just basically giving them interviews in English and just basically helping them kind of get used to the Lithuanian lifestyle while Lithuania gets used to the balls. For all your LeVar Ball, LeAngelo, and the Mellow, just go follow my man Eric on Twitter. Very easy to find and he has some great shit. So receiving a shout out from the GOAT himself, LeVar, was pretty goddamn cool and just want to say, hey, thanks, I ordered my merch already, it's on its way, and can't wait to support the Big Baller brand for many years to come. So now I want to get to the Lakers stat of the week. 
As pointed out by many, the Lakers have not lost a home game since January 5th. That's about two months ago, which it's almost preposterous saying. The Lakers have not lost a home game since January 5th. Wow. That last loss occurred to the uh, Charlotte Hornets, which I, I believe the Lakers should have won that game. It was close, and we just didn't... Uh, we didn't capitalize in the fourth quarter when we had opportunities and just should have been 10 0. We should have beat the Hornets that night. But man, this young Lakers team has gone 9 0 at home since January 5th. That's a pretty impressive streak. What you want to see from a young team is winning games at home, defending your home court, having pride in the brand that the team that you're playing for, like the Lakers. So it's just very awesome to see the Lakers defending their home court and just taking care of business. That's what you want to see. That's how you can tell if a team is for real or just a fake mirage you're seeing. So since that uh, January 5th loss, we've beaten the teams that we should have beaten at home. So we've had home games against the Kings, the Hawks, the Mavericks. Those are all tanking teams. Those are all teams that we should have beaten with ease, and we did. They are not on the Lakers level, nor is their core on the level of the Los Angeles Lakers young core. We've also beaten teams that are currently in the uh, in the playoff race, or I would say they're not even in the race. They're actually in the U1 through 8 standings in both conferences, not just the West, not just the East. The Lakers have a winning record against Eastern Conference teams. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but I believe we're 14 and 10 against the Eastern Conference, which is, hey, put us in, put us in the East, we're probably a playoff team. But we'll get to that maybe in another episode or so. So since we've beaten teams in the playoff uh, race, I'll go ahead and list them. We've beaten the Spurs at home, which featured, I believe, LaMarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol. I believe Rudy Gay and Kawhi Leonard was hurt, but hey, they had enough talent to beat us on that night, and we beat them. We've also beaten the Thunder at home. We did beat Paul George, so it was nice seeing that. We also beat the uh, those ugly dudes in green, the Boston Celtics, and we beat the Pacers that didn't want to trade us Paul George in the uh, offseason. So, like I said, this young court this young court has defended home court. Seven of those wins out of the last nine were uh, games in which the Lakers won by double digits. That's an impressive feat. They didn't just get lucky and win by a couple of points. No, the Lakers dominated these games at home. And they won seven of them by double digits. I believe some of them were even by 20 points as well. So they're not just beating these teams. They're not just getting lucky. They're beating the fuck out of these teams. And they're just sending a notice that, hey, the Lakers are on the rise. And you better watch out for this just amazing young team. They, uh, they're going to try and go for their 10th straight win at home tonight. And it's against the Portland Trailblazers. I, if I had to tell you right now whether I believe the Lakers... Uh, make this streak go to 10, I probably say no. The Blazers are just as hot as the Lakers are right now. I believe they've won six straight, and they are currently third in the West, which is pretty impressive, considering all the other talent and all the other teams in the Western Conference. So behind the behind the Rockets and the Warriors, then fall the uh, Portland Trail Blazers, and that's pretty cool. Dame and CJ are having a great year. And it's just going to be hard to beat them. They're on an incredible hot streak. They've got to keep winning games to maintain the third seed. 
The Lakers are currently dealing with uh, injury issues with Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram both being out. So I would love to see the Lakers push that uh, home winning streak to 10, but I just don't see it happening. I do, however, think it's a close game. The first two games we did play the Portland Trailblazers, we lost by three points apiece. So we match up well against them, even though they have all-star talent currently, and we do not. We just have young, promising players that look like to be all-stars in the future. Um, me, personally, I was at that game in Portland when uh, Dame hit that three against us. I believe it was Contavious Caldwell-Pope that hit the three before Dames to tie the game. I was getting ready for overtime. I was probably very drunk at that time. I had an amazing time in Portland. If you have a chance to ever catch a game in Portland, do it. They have amazing breweries downtown. Go and explore that. Have a blast. And people in Portland are very friendly, so you'll have an amazing time at that game. You can wear your Lakers colors. You can wear it proud. You won't get shit for it. They'll just make jokes, yada, yada, yada. It's just a very fun environment to watch a game. So which is why I have a sort of respect for the Portland Trailblazers. But then again, not really since they've beaten us, I believe, 14 straight times. So I do wish the Lakers turned that around tonight, but I just don't see it happening. However, I do. I would have seen it happening if we would have gotten some better uh, information about Brandon Ingram's... Uh, groin sprain if he was healthy tonight I think we actually would have turned that corner and beaten them because so many other players have made strides into being a better player since the last time we played the Blazers and I just think we've we would have put it all together at home and just continue to dominate our basically just our home court now for topic wise we're only going to have one topic mainly of focus tonight and that topic is Lonzo Ball and he is motherfucking back and he's been in his motherfucking bag since return of injury So regarding regarding Lonzo to quote the famous DMX fuck what you heard. It's what you hear and Lately as of right now Lonzo has been motherfucking giving it to you Since returning from injury Lonzo has been shooting 63.6% .6 from three that is insane. That is basically making six out of ten threes and just you're shooting the fucking lights out. That's just remarkable for where he was at in the very beginning of his uh, rookie season to now he's just he's hit 14 out of his last 22 threes. That's just an insane run that he's been on. And it doesn't look like it's a fluke either. I mean, he's I think he's made three threes in like the last five games he's played so it's he's basically just continuing to put in that work and just hit the same amount of shots and just be consistent with it which is what we wanted to see they said this man couldn't shoot they swore by everything holy that Lonzo couldn't hit a three-pointer to save his life because of his fucking shot they wanted to say that the Lakers were better without Lonzo Ball they wanted you to believe all of this shit just because they couldn't stand a dad aka LeVar Basically putting you in your place and just speaking truths because LeVar has basically told no lie and media, NBA, Twitter just hated Lonzo because of LeVar and I have to say, if you hate a player because of his dad, you're a fucking idiot. You do not know the game 
and you're letting someone besides the actual player make you think things and that's just that's stupid to me judge a player off of what he does on the court and if you've watched Lonzo like many Laker fans have seen you will know that the Lakers are way better when he's on the court and that the man can actually play basketball he's actually pretty damn good at it so just to basically continue on that point those people are looking dumber than fucking Lloyd Christmas right now and yes that's a reference to Dumb and Dumber so let's just keep going with that. I'm just going to throw some stats out there regarding Lonzo's three-point shooting since we're going to focus heavily on the three-point shooting aspect of his game because that was the uh, that was the question mark about his game because he has all these other tools, all these other skills, all these just other intangibles that many other players don't have. But the only knock on Lonzo was, well, his three-point shooting sucks. In Lonzo's last 20 games, he's made 43.4% of his field goals. 41.2% of his threes, and he's basically at a 55.4% uh, effective field goal during that stretch. That's pretty damn good. I just want the field goal percentage to increase a little bit, but hitting 41.2% of threes in your last 20 fucking games, that's, that's not a small sample size, and that's just, that's an impressive stretch. And so in his, I believe his uh, first 20 games, he was shooting at 22% I believe from three or, or something similar to that so a lot of the people that watched early in the season and saw the 22% um, shooting split from those games judged him off of being not a shooter it said okay he's shooting horribly from three he's never going to translate into the NBA so my question to you is if you can watch the first 20 games and make a definitive statement on what an NBA player is going to be how come you are silent now when he has, basically in the same stretch amount of games, proven your narrative wrong? Why is that you are silent? Why is that you are just saying, well, he's still yada yada 36% from the field? No, motherfucker. I'm asking about why are you silent about his three-point shooting now? Is it because you were, you were proven wrong? Yes. Is it because the Lakers are a better team with him on the court? Yes. You are silent because you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And for basically what my boys at Hoops and Brews would say, watch more basketball. So let's compare those uh, those numbers to a player that, I don't know, some that said could shoot at the beginning of the season. Let's just compare it to uh, Jason Tatum. And the word on Jason Tatum was he was an amazing three-point shooter. Well, if you break it down, so we're going to split how I split Lonzo's uh, season half and half since Lonzo's only played in 40 games. So I took the first 20 and the last 20. And I believe, God, I saw this on Twitter. I'm blanking out right now. And I'm sorry I'm not going to give you the credit for this, but just know that this is your stat. Jason Tatum's played 64 games in his last 32 games. So like the last half of his season like we did with Lonzo. Jason Tatum is shooting 45% from the field, 36% from three, and has an effective field goal percentage of 49.7. In case you forgot Lonzo's, Lonzo's was 41.2% from three and an effective field goal of 55.4. So in their last basically half of the season so far, Lonzo has shot better from three and he has a higher effective field goal rate. 
Do I hear any of you guys calling Jason Tatum a bum? No. Do I hear any of you guys saying Jason Tatum can't shoot? No. Why is that? We all know why. You guys like to see Lakers struggle, and when they do well, you stay silent. It's cool. We get it. That's why we refer to ESPN as BSPN for bullshit sports network, yada, yada, yada. So we get your narrative. We just find it funny when Lonzo does well, you guys stay quiet. And when other rookies don't do well, you kind of stay you kind of stay quiet about it. I mean, Lonzo's struggles in the beginning of the year got way more attention than Markel Fultz not even being able to play basketball because of a shooting motion, which is hilarious to me and also sad because I don't want that for Markel Fultz. I want him to be the player that many people think him to be, but it's just when things happen in Lakerland, it gets magnified. Players get crucified for not being fucking amazing from day one. But hey, whatever. We're used to it. We're used to a lot of our rookies and our younger players getting crapped on for no reason. We saw it with Brandon Ingram last year. We've seen it with Julius Randle. We see the hate you guys give us, and yet these players respond and play well. So keep hating and fuck all of you guys. So let's not... uh. Let's not forget that in the very beginning, of the, no, very beginning of the season, during which that stretch which Lonzo struggled, he was dealing with a lot of personal shit, and I, as a twenty-year-old, that's insane to deal with what he went through. He went through, he got his girl knocked up. I mean, as a guy, I've ha, should I get? Nah, I'm not even gonna say it, but as a guy, we all know when coming to. Uh, pregnancy every guy freaks out every guy doesn't know what to do when that shit happens and i don't blame him for his head wandering if it wandered because i think any man could test your head would wander during that time when you find out you're going to be a father everyone freaks out we all forget what the fuck we're doing and that's all we can think about not only that but he had to do he had to deal with his father feuding with that dude in the white house your fucking father is feuding with the president of the United States. Just imagine that pressure. You look on the TV and you see your dad on CNN. And he's going at uh, the Chromo dude, the Google guy, or whatever the fuck he was. You see your dad just debating White House politicians, CNN media people. And then not only that, you have to deal with your brother stealing shit in China and dealing with that legal issues. And you have to be the point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers, the probably, besides being the uh, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, is probably, being the star in the Lakers probably has the most pressure in the entire world uh, regarding a sports standpoint. I mean, that is a tremendous amount of pressure, and I don't blame him for struggling with his uh, shooting percentages in the beginning of the year because the man had to go through hell, and he still did fine. He still did other things on the court very well. It's just he wasn't putting the ball in the net at an efficient rate. But once all that other added pressure was gone, he's been hooping. And the stats have shown that. So I want to give a shout-out to uh, Micah Adams13 for this next stat regarding Lonzo Ball and his three-point shooting percentages and all that jazz. Lonzo ranks 12th in made threes per game since December 12th, which is about three which is about three months ago, which is a nice sample size. So he ranks 12th in made threes per game since that time. Of the 11 people higher than he is currently, only one has a better uh, 
three-point percentage in that stretch. So that's also that's being efficient and productive at the same time. And the only player that has a higher percentage than him during that stretch is the greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry. So, I mean, if you're in a category where you're the only person behind Steph Curry, you're in good you're in a good you're in a good category. You're doing fine. As a 20-year-old, you're the next best person since December 12th with the making three three or making threes per game and being efficient at it. You're behind Steph Curry. That's great. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep letting the haters hate. And I know you might not know what the word means, Lonzo, but it's vindicating us Laker fans slash Lonzo fans that have said you can shoot, that looked at your UCLA percentages and said, if you can shoot 40% at UCLA, he'll be able to shoot at the uh, pro level. And like I've said, I'm focusing I'm focusing a lot on his three-point percentage since all the Lon- all the Laker uh all the Laker and Lonzo supporters all year have heard this season is a uh, yeah, but basically. Yeah, Lonzo can pass, but he can't shoot. Yeah, Lonzo can rebound, but he can't shoot. Yes, Lonzo can defend right now, but his three-point shot's not falling. And the haters use the three-point shot to be the end-all to every uh, argument. They said, well, yeah, 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 but since he can't shoot a three, he's not a productive player. Start Jordan Clarkson over him and blah, 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 blah. So, you guys all look ridiculous, and I'm going to keep saying it, and it's just... He's in his motherfucking bag right now. He's making threes, and he's leading the Lakers to win. So, keep hating. So let's just look what uh, let's look at what Lonzo gives the Lakers this season, like his overall impact on the season this year, and what he's doing like numbers wise. On the season, the Lakers are nineteen and twenty one when Lonzo plays. That's close to a five hundred record, and that was after going through a brutal stretch in December and just basically like that 20 game stretch which you struggle with the shot so it's not crazy to think that next year that they'll be above 500 in a 40 game stretch because he will improve he'll have a summer to basically work on his game work on the other aspects of his game like uh, finishing around the rim shooting the mid-range shot and just basically working on a floater which he probably needs to work on this season Lonzo is averaging 10.4 points, 7.1 rebounds, and 7.1 assists. That's insane because the only rookies to do so is to average 10, 7, and 7 is Oscar Robertson and Magic Johnson. That's it. Those are both Hall of Famers, and those are the only two other players to average that in their rookie season. Right now, both Lonzo and Ben Simmons are on track to do the same. Again, anytime you're in the same breath as two Hall of Famers, that's a very good category to be in. And no matter how hard people try to discredit 10, 7, and 7, you're in that fucking group, and you're there to stay. And holy hell, if Lonzo can even have half of the career that either of those two players had, the Lakers got a fantastic player with a number two pick. Zoe's also averaging 1.6 steals and 0.9 blocks as a point guard. Getting one block a game at a as the point guard is pretty fantastic. It's using your intelligence on the defensive side of the ball, 
knowing where the ball is going to be when you're on defense and just basically adjusting and reacting. Also, 1.6 steals and no slouch. And so he's averaging 10, 7, 7, 1.6 steals, and basically a block a game. And now that horrendous three-point shooting percentage that started off the season at 22 is now up to 33.6, which is basically a point per possession every time he's shooting a three, which, I mean, is not bad. It's not great. It's just mediocre. So regarding a point guard with uh, this kind of defensive impact, like I've said on many platforms, and I probably said it in this uh, podcast as well, I do not regard Ben Simmons as a rookie, so forgive me for leaving him out. But I do not remember a rookie point guard that size making this much of a difference on the defensive side in the ball in a long time. And that might be because I'm a Lakers fan. I don't really watch that many other teams besides the uh, teams out of uh, California. Like, I watch the Kings, I watch the Warriors, I watch the Clippers. Just because of uh, the Pacific time, it's about... We're three hours behind you guys, so I'm still at work and like when uh, certain NBA teams are playing, so I don't catch other rookies. And I haven't seen many point guards or many other rookies, basically my Laker, uh, my Laker fandom, because we were, for the most part of my NBA fan life, we were in the playoffs, we were in championships the past four or five years. We haven't had the... We haven't had a point guard with this defensive impact. D'Lo was a horrible defender. And we didn't really take any of the point guards recently. We had Jordan Clarkson, but obviously he was a shooting or a scoring guard. He didn't really do anything that much on defense. And we took Ingram, not a point guard. We took Randall, not a point guard. So this is the first time I'm basically seeing a rookie that size doing things on defense I didn't think he was capable of after watching him at UCLA. So it's just cool as shit to see because... He deflects so many passes, he steals so many balls, he blocks so many shots. It's He's flying around on the defensive side. Even when you said his shot was not falling, he was still playing hard as hell on both sides of the ball. So, Lonzo's four games since returning from injury has been incredible. We've won all four since he's come back from uh, that knee sprain. And if you go back to even further than that, when he came back from the... Uh, Shoulder injury, I believe it was. The Lakers have won eight straight that he's played in. For all you dum-dums out there, I don't care what was thrown in front of you. If you can win eight straight with a certain player, that player is probably good. So let's look at his stats, though, since returning. He's averaging 12 points, 7.3 assists, 6.8 rebounds, 2.5 steals, and 0.5 blocks. The number that sticks out to me is the 2.5 steals. Right now, he's averaging in his last four games more steals than turnovers. That's in fucking incredible because he's averaging two turnovers and 2.5 steals per game. So he's basically washing out his turnovers with steals while providing 7.3 assists, which, like I said, is very fantastic. In that four-game stretch, he's shooting 55.2% from the field and a red scorching hot 63.6% from three. If he can continue that level of shooting for the rest of his career, he will go down as one of the greatest players to ever play. And I'm only looking at the 55.2% from the field because 
There's no way he can shoot 63% from three the rest of his life. I obviously believe it's going to drop to 40. And I think that's what his career three-point percentage will be. It's like 40, 41, 42. But if the, the player that Lonzo is, if he can get to 55% for shooting, he will be one of the greatest players to ever play because he is efficient in every other aspect that you can ask for a basketball player. And if he gets that scoring down to that level of efficient of efficiency, you guys better watch out because that number two pick will be the Kevin Durant of picks. Because remember, Kevin Durant was picked two and Greg Oden was picked one. Every the uh, who picked first this year, the Sixers will look back at this draft and say, you know what, we could have had Lonzo, and that's what I believe he will do. I believe the Sixers will be embarrassed and will feel the shame of not picking Lonzo over Fultz because like I've said Lonzo just does so much on the basketball court and he's been efficient as hell as hell since returning from injury so the first two games in which he came back from injury he came off the bench against the Mavericks and the Hawks he did not miss when he played the Atlanta Hawks I believe he was four for four from the field and he was three of three from three it's just even in the limited amount of minutes he got in both of those games since he was on a minute restriction and he was uh, coming off the bench, you see the impact and you just see the overall benefits that he gives to a certain team. He makes the right play. He makes the right pass. He rotates over. He doesn't play hero ball. He doesn't dribble. He doesn't over dribble. He It's basically when it gets in his hands, he's making a high IQ play playing hot potato. It's like, all right, get rid of it. All right, get rid of it. But he's making the right pass every single time. He also sets screens. He's also physical. He's doing, like I said, if he was an NBA player on my career, you would get an A-plus playing like him every single time. He's just doing the correct thing. And you would get an A-plus by halftime. That's how many smart basketball moves Lonzo's making per game. Against the Heat, his... uh. I believe the game he first started back in, he was a fucking ball hawk. Like, he had a nose for the ball on the defensive side of it. He had six steals. Six steals for a point guard that you said he couldn't defend. And he just shuts you guys up. A lot of those steals, though, did come from just knowing the passing lanes, just picking the ball off. Or uh, a lot of them, I wouldn't say a lot of them, but I think two or three came when... The post player's uh, back was to the basket, and all Lonzo did was went behind the player and poked it out. Lonzo knew that that guy couldn't see him coming, and he just poked the ball out, and it led to a Kuzma dunk in transition, I believe. And it's just, they're easy but hard plays that he's making. He's making the right play every single time, and it's hard to do that consistently, but he's doing it, and it's fantastic to see because we're getting this as a 20 year old rookie imagine eight years from now after he's watched more film got more nba experience and just basically gets more nba weight and just basically just knows how to play the game more he's going to be a very fantastic player so just like i said his instincts on the defensive on the defensive side is incredible 
He reads what the offense is trying to do, and he reacts. He knows what you're going to do. He knows what you're going to try to do, and he's going to do everything in he everything that he can to prevent you from doing that. He is basically our quarterback or middle linebacker on both sides of the ball. He's making adjustments on defense, and he's making adjustments on offense. He sees the court. His IQ is unmatched by, I think, any NBA rookie this season. And I want to say, besides he and Ben Simmons, which I think are very two high-level IQ, smart, just students of the game, those might be two of the smartest rookies to come out in the past 10 years. And I think both of them make tremendous defensive impact. And Lakers, we got to steal at number two, even if you don't want to believe it. Lonzo deflects the ball in the passing lanes like a monster. He has very quick hands. He put up an insane stat line against the Heat. He had 8 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, and 6 steals. When you think of a stat line of 8, 7, 6, and 6, you think of only one player, and that player plays in Golden State. And you think of Draymond. Lonzo might be our little Draymond on defense. He might not be able to match what Draymond's able to do on ball, but off ball, Lonzo is one of the best on ball defenders I've seen this season. And yet, all of this positive stuff about Lonzo, it's not even speaking about the San Antonio Spurs game, which we saw him dominate. I believe Lakers Nation needed to see Lonzo play like he did that night. We needed to see Lonzo take over a game and lead us to a a win in the fourth. Laker fans have gotten accustomed to players playing insane in the fourth quarter. We saw Kobe do it for the majority of the career. I wasn't alive for the Kareem Magic era, but I have seen the highlights. I saw both of those players dominate in the fourth. And I mean, even recently, like the past couple years, I wouldn't say he dominated the fourth because he really didn't dominate. But there were some games which D'Angelo had a great fourth quarter and won us the game. The game, I believe, uh, his grandmother passed away. The next game after that, he had three to win the game. And it was it was pretty cool to see. So I just believe the Lakers needed to see a person besides Brandon Ingram make that game-winning play. And Lonzo did that against the Spurs. We just needed to see that Lonzo has that dog in him. We needed to see that he has that kind of heart, that kind of fearless, reckless abandon that a player needs to have if he is going to be great. And we just we needed to see a player, a.k.a. Lonzo, be aggressive when the game was slipping away. I believe it was like a 17-point deficit sometime in the third quarter, and we were still down by 10-plus points or more with uh, five minutes to go. And we just needed to see our number two pick, the franchise basically star say you know what we're probably going to lose this game but i'm just going to will us back into it and try to fucking win and lonzo did that and he did this despite being in foul trouble for most of the game he fucking hooped he played smart after picking up some i'd say tacky calls in the uh the first half i believe he was driving on i think in transition and ginobili went for a uh, like he tried to draw a charge. I, I believed he was moving, but the refs called a foul. So I believe they gave Rondo or not ooh, Rondo. I believe they gave Lonzo three. So Lonzo was able to be aggressive while being in foul trouble. So he was playing smart, which again, just comes back to this IQ. Like Lonzo has a unmatched IQ. 
from anyone on our team, and I believe he's one of the smartest right now seeing the whole game. Just the other aspects will catch up. And so the one play that sticks out to me, even though it resulted in, I believe it was a turnover, it was in transition. Lonzo went one on three against the Spurs. There was three defenders back, and he tried to push. He tried to fucking score or draw a foul. I don't care that he missed it, even though it was a dumb basketball play. I love that he tried. He showed the reckless abandon to just fucking say, fuck it. I'm going to try and get a, try and get us a basket, try to, get us a, try to give us some momentum, try to get us a bucket or get two uh, foul shots from the line. And he tried. It was a horrible play, resulted in a horrible result, but he he went for it. It showed confidence in his own game, and it showed that he's just not afraid of the moment. He had 11 assists and 7 rebounds that game, and if he watched the game, he made it look effortless. He's just going up for rebounds, making the simple pass for an assist, and it's, it's beautiful. It's like watching Mozart paint. Wait, did Mozart paint? Fuck. I'm not good with my art history like with music and art so if mozart was oh wait no mozart produced music picasso painted i've had too many elisions tonight so it's all good and while getting 11 assists and seven rebounds he also had a steal and a block there two blocks i should say one of those was against our former boy pal gasol and seeing lonzo swat pal gasol was Great and also kind of heartbreaking for me because I love me some Pau Gasol. We don't get to win 16 in the finals without Pau Gasol being a Laker. And, like, it, it hurt seeing Pau Gasol get his, sit, get his shit just swatted from a 6-6 rookie point guard. But I love that it was our guy doing it. But still, it, it was kind of sad seeing Pau Gasol realize he just got swatted by a point guard. And, yes... What Laker fans and what everyone else will remember from that game is Lonzo hitting those three threes basically to seal the win and get us the win against the Spurs. Those three threes did get him up to 18 points. And those threes were just perfect. He wasn't afraid of the moment. He showed that clutch gene that Kobe Bryant has. He made def he made defenses defensive pay for going under the screen. And just kind of like, they didn't respect him as a shooter, but yet he has shown that he should be respected as a shooter, and he made them pay. He was the reason why the Spurs lost. The Spurs did not, basically, they didn't respect his three-point shot, and Lonzo said, all right, bet, bet, bet. And he won us the game. He's going to be a problem for years to come. He will be a multiple-time All-Star, and he will make a couple NBA all either first, second, or third NBA teams. I hope it's the first because if he makes an all first NBA team, that means he's going to average something crazy point-wise and assist-wise, and that means our team will be great. He also might f fucking fuck around and make some all defensive NBA teams because he's doing some insane things as a rookie that other players aren't doing at his level even if they're vets right now. And it's only going to get better on the defensive side of the ball, and I can't wait for that shit to happen. And if you haven't heard, my boy Pavi at Hoops and Brews believes Lonzo will average 18 points, 8 rebounds, 12 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block in the prime of Lonzo's career.
that's an insane amount of just that's an that's an amazing stat because that'll be that's what 18 plus 24 that's at least 42 points that Lonzo will be responsible for on the offensive end that's a fuck ton while also getting eight rebounds and having two steals and a block that's I mean that's I think Steve Nash got an MVP basically close to those stats right there Pavi also believes that Lonzo will shoot 50% from the field and 39% from three. My boy TPJ, on the other hand, thinks Lonzo will get to 24 points, 8 rebounds, 12 assists, 2 steals, and a block. That's... I don't think Lonzo will ever get to 24 points per game. I just don't think he will take that amount of shots to get to 24 points per game. And he also believes that Lonzo will shoot 46% from the field and 37% from three. So Pavi's, I believe, is more realistic because... It shows a efficient shooting selection, and it also just, there's no way in hell do I think Lonzo's taken, let's see, 24 points, 46%, that's about 14 shots per game. I don't see it happening. Wait, nah, that's a little more than fucking that. I don't, I don't know what the numbers break down to, but I just think regarding Pavi's theory with Lonzo's stat line, I think it's more likely to be 18, 8, 12, and 2. Me, personally, I think it's going to be 20, 20 points, so just like a another bucket per game than Pavi's original stat line. Eight rebounds, 13 assists, two steals and a block on 50% field goal and 40% from three. Hopefully, Lonzo gets a at least a 70% uh, free throw shooting percentage because that might even make it 21. And that's like the, that's the final piece for Lonzo's game currently is just getting that free throw percentage up. Alright, so enough about Lonzo for the day. Let's get to the curious case of Julius Randle. And I think I'm just going to drop the curious case of that aspect because it is no longer a curious case anymore. Julius Randle deserves to get paid. And I, I, I need to see the Lakers pay that, man. We can't. Us Laker fans, Randle fans, we can't basically watch this season of Julius Randle, him becoming the man. We can't just watch him walk away from us next season. We need to see him back in the purple and gold. And he's given the Lakers every reason to pay the man. Even LeVar Ball from Lithuania believes Julius Randle has been the best Laker this season. So if you have the big baller stamp of approval, you should get fucking paid. The Lakers are 17-12 and 12 when Julius Randle starts. That's above 500. That's a 29-game sample size, and I believe for a player in his fourth year, a.k.a. third year since Julius broke his uh, leg in the very first season of his career, I believe you're that far into your NBA career when you can make a, you can get a feel off of a 29-game stretch. And yes, the Lakers are 17-12 and 12 in that stretch. My stepdad that doesn't know a single fucking thing about basketball, he couldn't tell you what a player should or shouldn't do, realizes Julius Randle is a problem in the NBA. He says he sees his body size, he sees how strong he is, and he sees his speed. And he realizes that Julius Randle is a problem for a lot of people that are trying to guard him. So if my stepdad can see this, Magic Johnson better see this, and Palinka better see this. And it's 
not that hard to see. You saw the transformation that Julius Randle did from last season to this season. He worked like an absolute monster to get into the best shape of his life, and it's paying off. In the last 10 games that Julius Randle has played, he's... I wouldn't say he's... How would I say this? He's one of the best power forwards in the game if you've only watched the past 10 games. He's averaging... 20 points, 8.4 rebounds, and 4.2 assists. I will repeat, that's 20, that's 8, and that's 4 per game. That is making a huge impact on the game, and that is a huge reason why the Lakers are 7-3 and three in the last 10 games. He's shooting 60% 60, 60 from the fucking field. I repeat, 60. That impressive for where he was last year. He's finishing... I believe 10% higher around the rim than he did last year. So he has shown since getting starter minutes that he is the power four the Lakers need to have for the next 10 to 15 years. He's only 23. And I don't, even when he's old and slow, he won't even be that slow. I believe what Zach Randolph is right now at 36, I believe Randall can do the same as that at 36. So I, I believe Julius Randall is going to have a long and successful NBA career. And in his last 10 games, he's averaging 28 and fucking 4. This man is becoming a nightmare for other uh, defenders. If you're matched up against Julius Randall, you already know he's going to bully ball you. He's going to fucking just pound the fucking rock and he's just going to fucking go into your body. He's also going to fucking fly by you. And he's going to do that for every single minute that he's on the fucking court. So, I don't know many power forwards besides Draymond that would welcome that for fucking 30 minutes a game. That is a heavy load coming at you like a fucking freight train. And as my boy Pavi said, I'm relying on Pavi because I had no idea he was as much of a Laker believer. And yet, he's... Almost as much of a Laker believer as myself, and he believes that if Randall develops the three ball, that Randall will become a better player than Draymond Green. Much of NBA Twitter believes that Draymond Green is the key piece for what makes the Warriors tick. And if Draymond or if Julius Randall is able to become better than that, this Laker team will be amazing in the upcoming years. And it's not hard or far-fetched to see Julius Randle becoming a, I wouldn't say a 35% three-point shooter, but a 33% three-point shooter since he has put in work over the summer. It's just we haven't seen him take that many threes this season. So we don't know how, if his shot is there yet or not. And we saw him work on his basically conditioning and his body strength and everything else. So if Julius Randle says he's going to work on something, we should believe him because the proof is in the pudding and he's an absolute monster this year. So if you hear this Magic Johnson, if you hear this Palinka, pay Julius Randle. Let's see number 30 in purple and gold for the rest of his career. And I believe the Lakers will be very successful with him in the starting lineup. He can play a power forward to start the game and he can play center to end the game. He will be the... Lakers version of Draymond Green in the death lineup and I mean Draymond Green can't fucking score at will like fucking Julius Randle can and Julius Randle is becoming a better passer than what he used to be so it's not far-fetched to think that he can get to Draymond's 
ability of passing the ball. So if Julius Randle is able to become a better version of Draymond, Draymond Green, the Lakers are going to win title number 17 sooner than you think. Now it's time for the next segment of the show with Record Watch. The Lakers are currently 28-34. and 34. This is before the Portland game, so I don't know what the record will be after this when you guys first hear this. But the Lakers have two more wins than they did, win, uh, two more wins than they did last year. That is all I care about. All I wanted to see this year was improvement. I know that I knew that this team is going to have ups and downs, a lot of roller coasters, and yada 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 yada. But at game sixty-two, they've already have two more wins than they did, than they did last season. That's fantastic. Luke Walton deserves a fuck ton of credit for how well the Lakers have played because he's dealt with a lot. He's dealt with a lot of roster moves, players being hurt, players being traded, G Leaders coming up and down. And right now, the Lakers are currently six and a half games out of the eighth seed. The Lakers would be closer to that eighth seed if seeds eight through ten didn't go on the same type of run that the Lakers have currently gone on. Every every team from seed eight to ten has either gone the same record. In the last 10 games that the Lakers have had, or have had, or they went better. The Lakers have gone 7-3 and three in their past 10 games, and I believe seeds 8-10 through 10 all went 8-2. and two. So while the Lakers are on this hot streak, they have made no ground since the teams above them decided to fucking, for whatever reason, go on the same fucking winning stretch that the Lakers went on. Which bums me the hell out because, man, if we could have gotten the 8th seed this season. And I believe it's very important for even the most pessimistic Laker fan out there to realize the Lakers were 11 and 27 24 games ago. The Lakers looked like shit. Since then, they've gone 17 and 7. And there's just a positive aura around this team. You win 17 out of 24 games in any stretch of the season, that's impressive. And the Lakers just did that. So for the Lakers, I believe to get close to that 8th seed, they'll have to go 13-7 and in their remaining 20 games. And even then, it might not even be a possibility to make the playoffs since the 8th seed right now is, I believe, 3 games over 500. So getting to 500 might not be enough for the Lakers to advance to the 8th seed. But if the Lakers are able to get to 41-41 and without the superstar, that would just bode well for the young core that the Lakers have right now. It would bode well for Paul George making a decision. Should I stay as the seventh seed in OKC with Russell Westbrook? Or should I look at Los Angeles and say, hey, you know what? They won 41 games without me. I wonder what they can win with me. And he might make that jump. And so if we look at the rest of our schedule, and basically if we're going to try to forecast how we can get into the playoffs, we see that we have four games against tanking teams. We should win all of those games. Is against the Magic, the Kings, I believe the Mavericks, and someone else. So that should put us at win total number 32. So that means we'd have to win 9 out of the remaining 16 games left on the schedule, which would be a 9-7 and seven record, and the Lakers have gone 17-7. and seven, So 9-7 and seven isn't that far-fetched of an idea. And we have, remaining on the schedule, we've already beaten these teams. We've beaten the Nuggets, the Pacers, the Heat, and the Spurs. So that's, if we can repeat uh, previous success, that's an added four wins, which would put us at 36. 
So we'd only have to win five out of the other, I believe, ooh. Oh, we'd only have to win five out of the 11, which is a losing record. So we can go five and six out of those 11 teams to get to 500. And that would put us at 41 and 41. But it's going to be tough. I don't know if the Lakers this season can do it. I would love, I would love it if they were able to get the eighth seed, match up with the Rockets or Warriors. I don't care if they get swept in that series. It's just, if the Lakers were able to make it to the playoffs in Lonzo's rookie season, you would not be able to mute me on Twitter because I would be going fucking crazy. And many other Laker fans out there would just be vindicated for all the hate that we've received in the past four to five years. So we'll go ahead to continue to our next state or our next segment with the Laker of the Week. And that is no other than Lonzo Ball. As stated earlier, he saved us against the Spurs, had just an amazing stat line even without scoring more than 10 points against the Heat, and it's just, he's the reason why we won those games, and he's been our, I wouldn't say our best player, but he's been our most important player, because you know, if he's playing, he's going to get you a certain stat line, and that's fan-fucking-tastic. Even though this next player is not our Laker of the Week, I want to start a new segment called uh, the sleeper of the week for the Lakers team. And I'm going to go ahead and give that to uh, my boy Travis Ware. This dude was fucking playing in G League games last week. He hadn't been called up at any time of the season. I mean, not at any time of the NBA season. He grew up a Lakers fan. He had Shaq's, Kobe's, Ori's, Fisher's jersey. He dreamed of being a Los Angeles Laker. And with the injuries to Brendan Ingram and Josh Hart, he got called up. Not only did he get called up, he actually got some minutes against the Spurs. In his 13 minutes of actual game time, he was a plus 18 on the court. That's very hard to do in 13 minutes to have an impact of plus 8 and plus minus. And he had 7 points in that stretch, also 2 rebounds and 2 assists. And again, his 13 minutes of play. And I have watched Travis Ware play in Summer League, and I believe he was on the, either he or his brother was on the King Summer League team like a couple years back. I didn't think he can play defense, but yet in the, in the crunch time of the actual game when it broke down against the Spurs, he locked up Rudy Gay. And no way in my wildest dreams that I think Travis Ware would be able to get on, be able to get switched on to Rudy Gay and stop him from scoring because Rudy Gay is an accomplished scorer in the league. He is able to get a bucket anytime he wants to, even after the Achilles injury. Yet Travis Ware had this man clamped. It was very cool to see, and I don't know if Travis Ware will get minutes when Brandon Ingram or Josh Hart comes back because we are kind of loaded at the forward position with Ingram, Randall, Kuzma, and then we play Zubak at center. And then we play hard at small forward sometimes. So it's a logjam at the forward position, but I mean, at least for Travis Ware, he can say that he played in, in the NBA. And if he wants a contract with a team overseas or wants a contract with an NBA team next season, he can point to what he did in just 13 minutes to help the Lakers beat the Spurs. So basically, just to wrap it up, I'm hoping the Lakers win tonight. I want to see us get to win number 29 because man I just I want us to get as much wins this season as we can because that makes 
our pick that the 76ers are going to get that much worse. We're already the, I believe the our pick right now would go to uh, number 11, which is out of the top 10, and that's perfect. Let's keep climbing. Let's get to 12, which is, I, I believe we're a half game off the Hornets, I want to say. Or uh, who is it? But we're very close to overtaking 12. And then 13 and 14 is not that far out of our reach. And why why I am looking at the picks right now is when they said, hey, the Lakers aren't going to have their pick this year, a lot of people said that the Lakers would be the worst team in the basketball, in the NBA. Uh, this is uh, basically being directed at you, Josh Eberle. He believed that the Lakers were going to be the worst team in the NBA and that the Lakers pick would go number one to the boss, uh, 76ers since they have our number. If it fell to number one, they'd have it. But if it's picks two through five, it would go to Boston. He thought the Los Angeles Lakers were in basketball hell, but they don't realize the Lakers are almost as close to basically being the number one pick as they are to basically being where the Cavs are at right now, since the Cavs are at pick number 25. So we're about 10 spots from being number one, but 14 or 13 away from being 25. So our pick situation isn't that bad. We're going to get the Cavs pick. We're going to be all right with how Magic and Palinka and the rest of the scouting department has been drafting in recent drafts. We've had great steals at the end of the draft. So, I mean, pick-wise, we're all right. It was nice hating on us when you thought we were going to suck, but it's cool. And if you haven't already, go ahead and follow me on uh, Twitter. It's at Zotime Podcast. Also, follow on SoundCloud. Follow on Apple Podcasts. Hit me up with any Lakers-related info you have or just questions you have about this current Laker team or where it's headed. Make sure to catch us on Bruce Day Tuesday on Nothing But Net Radio on uh, Dash Radio. And until the next time the Los Angeles Lakers play, go Lakers.